praise the name of Jesus. For the last few weeks, it's actually about five messages so far, we have been dealing with this wonderful topic of new beginnings, new beginnings. It's important for us to embrace what God is calling us to, and even if you're here for the first time, then you're in for a word from the Lord that is calling you to a new beginning in your life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through, where you've been, what, what's going on around you, but it's, it's time for a new beginning. Amen? It's time to move forward. And the reason why for us, Faith Dome of Fellowship, those of you who are part of this body of believers, you know, we are looking forward to this move into this next place where God is opening up this wonderful door for us. But we don't want to go in there without having the right mindset. Amen? We don't want to go in there without having the right heart and the right understanding of what it is that God wants to do. But again, and I think Pastor Robert has said this, and we continue to reiterate this, is not about a building in the natural. It's about a building in the spirit. Amen? It's about a building that is, being, uh, that, that is happening within the hearts and the minds of each and every one of us that is here. We can go to a new place and not become better. Hello? We can move into a bigger place and not become bigger in the spirit. Amen? We, we, we can move into a nicer place and not become more like Christ. Amen? And so it's important for us to understand this. And looking at that, that's why it's time for a new beginning because God wants to bring us all into a new season of ministry, all of us together collectively. Remember, it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's not just about your problems or your circumstances. That's the issue with us as people, especially people here in the United States of America. We get caught up in all about us. We get caught up, and, 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 and it's all about what I'm going through, all about what I'm experiencing. Let, let me encourage you. God is concerned with what you're experiencing, but he doesn't want your experience and your situation to hinder you from corporate productivity. Amen? God doesn't want your personal situation to deplete you of the fullness of his life to flow through you. God doesn't want you to allow whatever you're going through to hinder you from being the most fruitful child of God that you can be. And so we can't get caught up in all about us. We got to make sure that we are focusing on what God is calling us to. So just to reiterate and go over some of the things that we should understand and have learned here is that when we talked about new beginnings, we're using the foundation in the, or the foundational principles in the book of Joshua because we found in the beginning of this book is when the children of Israel are crossing over into the land of promise. And so we began there and we understood the first principle was that you cannot cross over, you cannot move forward if you're looking backwards. There's some ideal situations behind you. There's some things that we all, every, everybody in here can probably say there are some things that we wish would have worked out a certain way. There are some things we thought were going to work out a certain way. There are some things that we assume were the best for us and we find ourselves very far away from that. Right. Hear me now. So, so what we've got to do is we've got to recognize that we're, we, we can't move forward looking back. We move forward by saying, okay, here's the deal. And we're going to talk about this next week. The title, I'm, I'm going to give you the title for next week's message. The title of the next week's message is Deal or No Deal. Because the, the, the reality is you got to deal with some stuff. Today, today, I want to talk about this topic, and it is there was no misdeal. Hear me now. You, you, there wasn't a misdeal in your life. God didn't mess up when he was dealing out your situation. God didn't make a mistake. It wasn't your, and nothing like that. We've got to grasp this reality that God knows what he is doing. God is in, he is in sovereign control. He's not in partial control. Hello. 
He is, he is in control, glory to God. And so we have got to embrace the fact that, okay, you know what, I got to deal with this. See, the reason, and, he, he, and I'll say this again next week for you, but I just want to say, the reason why we're always looking back is because we have not dealt with stuff. The reason, the reason why we are looking back is because we have not dealt with stuff. You see, when, when, when I, I'll give you this, when, when, when I was in the world, you know, when we were in the world out there living crazy, right? If you, if you dealt with situations, you weren't looking behind you, right? Hello? So, so let, 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 let's bring it to the day. If you're driving, right, and a police officer gets behind you, right, you saved, sanctified, got a valid driver's license, no warrants for your arrest, you just chilling. You look at one thing. I look at the speedometer, make sure I'm in, in line with the law, and I'm good. I'm not looking back. Is he getting too close? It don't matter to me. It but, but, but now, if I'm driving without a license, got stuff in the car I shouldn't have, if I got a warrant for my, guess what? I'm looking back. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? Hey, should, should I stop? Should I turn? Where can I turn off the road? Hello? Why? Because you're looking back because you didn't deal with the stuff that needed to be dealt with. Therefore, you cannot move forward. Hello? So it's the same scenario in our natural lives and things that we go through. And God, we don't deal with things. We want to just ignore stuff. I tell stuff, I tell folks this all the time, especially the married couples that I counsel. You know, you can only sweep stuff under the rug for so long before it starts tripping you. Because, you know, you keep on sweeping dirt. You know, a mountain is just a bunch of dirt all compacted and put together and just, hello. Right? So what we understand is you keep sweeping stuff under the rug, all of a sudden you're tripping over the same thing. That's when, you know, spouses be tripping. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. So the first principle that we learn is that we cannot move forward if we're looking back. The second thing that we understand is that we cannot continue in new beginnings in the flesh. You can't, you, you remember the circumcision part, children of Israel crossed over, and then God said, okay, pause. Before we're going to move any, any, any more further in, in, in our progression, we need to take care of some flesh issues. So what does that mean for us? That means that we must carry our cross, die daily, and grow in grace. Amen? New beginnings are not a time to cast off restraint. In other words, new beginning is not a time for you to just chill and be like, well, everything's just going to happen. But we must be devoted to unconditional obedience. Remember we talked about obedience. For those of you that were here on Friday, we completed that portion of the message where we dealt with Achan and how he was disobedient. And he was trying to hook himself up when if we look at the text, God was ready to hook Israel up. But he was trying to take what was God's first, hello, and hook himself up because he was not trusting that God is a good God. Hello. He doesn't want to take stuff from us. He wants to bless us. He's a giver. Hello. So we find here that we got to be, we, we must be committed to unconditional obedience. That means when it hurts, I'm still going to obey. That means when I don't feel like it, I'm still going to do what's right. That means when it's not something that I totally understand, but I know that God is speaking it, I am going to do what he communicates, and I know this much. It brings him glory and honor, even if it brings me pain and displeasure. So if we're going to move forward, we have to be committed to unconditional obedience. And the last thing that we understood was new beginnings are not the easy route. But we must confront our enemies in order to abide in blessing. We talked about the fact that the Red Sea symbolized coming out of Egypt. 
enemy being destroyed, the Jordan crossing over was not the same thing. We moved over into a realm where we are now confronting our enemies. So you cross over from one place, destruction of enemy, cross over into a new place, confrontation of enemy. We looked at the symbolism between that and the cross. We understand that Jesus on the cross disarmed all powers, all principalities. Every stronghold of the enemy is broken. And yet the day that you and I come to that cross and take up our cross, we are now engaged in spiritual warfare until the day that Jesus returns for us or we return to him, whichever one comes first. And so we understand that we are those people that are engaged in this spiritual warfare. When we look at this particular story here, and the first thing that I notice is that God is communicating in this portion of the book of Joshua. Now remember all everything else that we have seen so far that we looked at or we read through. Obviously we didn't read everything together, but all the way up until this point we have heard of all of the conquests that the children of Israel have had in the last five years. So for five years, the children of Israel, between five and seven years, they've been in the land of promise, conquering these lands, taking over territories. They were doing everything that God had called them to do, and, and, and now God says to Joshua, my son, you're getting old. You're getting old. And, 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 and he said, and there's still, there's not just a little bit of land. He said, there's a lot of land. There's a lot of territory to be taken over. And so the thing that I realize, and this is my encouragement to everybody in here, is that we must purpose to engage ourselves in kingdom works that will outlast us. Hear me now. We must purpose to engage ourselves in kingdom works that are going to. The beauty of being part of the body of Christ is that if you get connected to what God is doing in the church, you get connected with what God. And when I say the church, I don't just mean in a building. Hello now. When I'm talking about when you and I get connected with the church and God's purpose with his church, you are connecting to something that will outlast you because there will always be souls to save. Hello. There will always be nations to reach. There will always be ministry to be produced. There will always be things that will continue. What our responsibility is, is to connect and give our heart to something that is way beyond us. See, we, 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 especially as the adults in this place, it is important that we live our lives for the kingdom to come and that we exemplify this devotion to the kingdom to come to the generations that are coming up after us especially to our children, especially to that next generation that God has entrusted to us. We need to live those lives that are not just about the house we live in, that are not just about the money in the bank, that are not just about the car we drive, that we're not just about those things, but that we are truly living our lives for the kingdom that is to come. We are truly living our lives for eternity. We are truly living our lives not for the commodities of this earth, but we are living our lives for the rewards in heaven. That is the mindset that a true child of God should have. And the issue again with us is that we get so caught up in our natural that we forget that all it is when we go whether it's a mess whether it's put together guess what it's all going to stay behind hello and so it's important that we are living for the kingdom to come and, and, and let, let, let me say this because I know somebody said well bishop you want us to leave it a mess no but the reason now glory to God the reason why most of the messes occur within our lives in some area not, not every situation but most of the time it's because we're just not living for the kingdom if we're living for the kingdom, we're in alignment with the kingdom. Does that mean hardship won't come? Nope. Does that mean difficulty's not going to come? Nope. Does that mean situations might not arise? No. That does not mean that. What I am saying is there's a difference between a mess you make and the process that God is bringing you through. There's a difference now. 
We're going to talk about that in a moment, glory to God. Hear me. We have to be those kind of people. Joshua, you're old, man. There's a lot of territory to be taken. There's a lot of stuff yet to be done. But I got some words for you. So God communicates to him and tells him what he needs to do. See, here's the thing, and this is the reason why I talk about there was no misdeal. Because you can leave something undealt with, but you cannot, you cannot undeal real life. Did you hear me? You can leave something undealt with. You can ignore something, act like it doesn't exist, act like it's not a problem. Hear me? Or you can deal with it. But the fact of the matter is, you can't undeal it. It is what it is. And we as children of God have got to be able to have faith and trust in God that he is the one who's going to get us through it. Amen? Amen. The first thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, sometimes God will lead us through difficult situations. <laughs> sometimes, not, 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 not all the time, but sometimes God will lead us. I didn't say God will allow us. That isn't what I said. Listen to what I said. Repeat it again. Sometimes God will lead us through difficult situations. Why is this important? Because we need to realize that there is a reason why God would lead us through stuff. We need to understand that it's not always just what God just, sometimes God is leading us down that difficult path. I know people don't want to hear that preaching. They just want to have this picture of God. He just throws them up on his back and just walks them through every hard thing. They never feel a pain, never feel a discomfort, never feel a difficult situation, and it's all good, and it's just peachy. It ain't, it ain't like that, y'all. It is not like that. Sometimes he will lead you down this diff- now, 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 the reason why I want to point this out to you is because, remember, he brings the children of Israel over, crosses them over, brings them into this land of promise, right? When he brings them into this land of promise, who was leading them? God Almighty was leading them. As a matter of fact, he delivered them from, from Egypt to do what? To bring them into another fight. Hello, that, that, that's the reality of what happened. He delivered them from Egypt, delivered them from the powers of the enemy, brought them to the land of promise. The spies went into that land of promise, and only two of them came back with a positive report. The rest of them, they weren't ready to fight. They didn't want to go through anything. Therefore, they said, nope, it's not time. So then they had to wander around this desert for 40 years. But what did God do in essence? God delivered them from the power of Egypt showed them his power and his ability two out of the 12 got the revelation that God is able to deliver us from whatever the rest of them didn't so everybody's walking around this desert for these 40 years and God still he didn't change his mind he wants to bring them into this land of promise but there is no way that they are going to be able to go into this land of promise I mean think about it God could have been like Hiroshima and just decided to go poof and everybody that was in the promised land disappeared before they entered in and you know what man that's just this is just a ghost town hello that God could have done that, couldn't he? But he chose not to. He chose to lead them into this fight. He chose to lead, lead them into this difficulty. But look at what he says in verse 6. Now, he's leading them into this difficult situation. He said, all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the, bo- as far, as far as the brook Misrephoth and all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. Now, notice what he's saying. He's saying, look. 
I want you to understand this is my word to you. This is my promise to you. I am going to deliver you of, of your enemy. I am going to make these people move out of your way. I am going to do, this is God communicating. And the next thing he says is, is amazing. He said, only divided by lot to Israel as an inheritance as I have commanded you. In other words, just separate the fight for me. All you got to do is just separate the fight for me. All you got to do is just, just a portion. Just point out, say, this is your land, that's your land, and then obviously in that land there's going to be some enemies that are going to be dealt with, and this is what God is communicating. I love it because I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, God is just like showing off here, right? He's like, look, just, just, just tell them where they're going to live. I'm going to take care of the rest. Tell them where they're going to be. I'm going to drive out their enemies before them. Tell them where I want them. Show them what is apportioned to them so they can grasp it, so they can understand this is the land that belongs to them, and I am going to take care of them. It's the same thing. God wants us to understand what his promises are. Remember, y'all, we are not talking about a land in the natural. We are talking about being a people who are living within the promises of God a people who are living within the purpose and the power of his kingdom. That's what we're talking about. Therefore, what we understand is that God communicates to them, I want you to know what's yours. He communicates the same thing to us. I want you to know what's yours. I want you to know what's yours. And don't worry about the opposition that you see. Don't worry about the fact that even though I said this, it looks like this. Don't worry about that because if I said this, I'm going to make it look like this before it's all said and done. If I communicated this, I'm going to make sure that at the end, the end result, if you'll just walk with me, if you'll just obey, if you'll just believe, if you'll walk this thing out, and I, as I'm walking you through this difficult situation, if you'll do that, you'll be able to see this. And so what is the purpose when God leads us through difficulty? His purpose is first and foremost to reveal his glory and power unto us. He wants to show us who he is, church. He wants us to understand who he is. He wants us to understand his power. But it ain't just about us. Hello. It's about others. It's about others understanding who your God is. It's about others gaining that understanding. We have Sister Michelle sitting here in the front. Everything didn't happen in her life the way that she wanted, but I can tell you what, because she has walked in faith. Pastor Robert says she's going to be a blessing. Listen, she is already a blessing, glory to God. She's already she, she testified to you women and, you know, blesses our lives. Whenever Pastor Robert shares those testimonies of faith and these communication, the truth is that's, that, that's here in Florida. Imagine, this is, like, I don't even know how many miles away California is from Florida, but it's a long way. Hello, somebody. How, how far? 3,000 miles away, and we've been encouraged, amen? And, and, and I guarantee you, somebody has used her testimony to encourage somebody else. So think about how many people have been encouraged from someone 3,000 miles away. Now imagine how many folks over there have been encouraged as they've witnessed this trial and this process that has gone on. And what has happened through all of this, he's shown himself mighty. Through all of this, he's shown himself faithful. Through all of this, he's elevated his servant and he's shown this is my hand. This is my work within her life. And, 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 and that's the thing that we've got to grasp is that it may not work. Remember again, it may not be the ideal turnout. But if we'll walk with him through it, we'll see his glory, we'll see his power, and so will others. Not only that, but God will develop our faith, his purpose. He wants to develop our faith in him. 
Our faith and trust in him. And sometimes, hear me now, sometimes you have to hear a no. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this, I know. Sometimes you have to hear a no in a particular area in order for your faith to be strengthened in him. Sometimes you have got to hear God say, and I, I know we don't want to hear, but the reality is that if he always said yes to everything, how would your faith grow in who he is all around? That's why some of those ideal situations didn't turn out the way we thought. That's why some of those ideal circumstances that we wanted to turn out a certain way didn't turn out the way we thought. Does this mean that we shouldn't have faith? No, it means we should have more faith. More faith in who he is. More trust in who he is. When we're going through things like that, we should be like Job. You know what? He giveth, he taketh away. I'm just going to give him glory. And I know, I know what you're saying right now. Well, it's more easy, you know, easier said than done, Bishop. I know it is. But it's not impossible. He communicates to us and shows us in these scriptures, in these principles. Remember, these scriptures are here for our example. They're here for our instruction. They're here to show us what to do, what not to do, what we can expect. The most important fact, church, to determine when we're entering into a difficult situation is this. Is, did I bring this upon myself or is this something God is leading me into? Important question here. Why is this so important? Well, because in one, you're going to have opposition. The other, you're not. No, that's not why. The reason why it's important for you and I to understand we're going through a difficult situation if it is something we brought upon ourselves, we know how to respond to the situation. See, because if it's something that we caused, if it's something we brought upon ourselves, you know what we need to do? Humble ourselves before Almighty God and repent first and foremost. That doesn't mean, hear me now, because I know y'all want to hear this, you know, you don't want to hear this either, but I got to say it anyway. Just because you repent of your sin doesn't mean that you are not going to go through the situation. I've said this before. My daddy said it. I love it. He said, you can't, you know, pray for crop failure. Hello. You sowing stuff, sowing stuff, sowing stuff, and you want to just say, oh, God, forgive me, and just, no, hold on a second. You're going to go through this. I'm going to make you remember this lesson. Because if God just, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, and, and this, this, this is something that, that, you know, I'm learning. Notice I said I'm learning. In parenting, listen, your, children does some, your child does something wrong. See, I, you know, I, 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 I adore my daughter. Hands down. Y'all know that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But when my daughter does something wrong, I need to make sure that she has to go through the process. Because here's what happens. You get upset with her. Be like, girl, you're grounded. And my daughter, right away, she just throws it on quick, like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm still, I, like, I'm getting right now. I start laughing. I'm like, man, I, got, I can't even look at her because I'm like, why is she tripping like this? And so after my anger subsides, right, and then I'm looking at this beautiful girl, I don't worry about it. Hold on a second. Time out. Does that develop her character? You know what that teaches her? I'm going to tell you because she's learned this, and i got to, you know, work it out of her, glory to God. She learned when I do something wrong, my daddy's going to get upset with me. I say I'm sorry, throw on the, you know, the waterworks, and a little while later, I get delivered from the consequence of my sin. But that's not real life because real life is, okay, you messed up, you got caught messing up, 
you got, you know, chastised for messing up, and then you cried and wept, and, and guess what? You still got to deal with those consequences of your behavior. What does that do? That teaches you, don't do that again. You, you, you don't want to go that route again. Hello, somebody. Why is our Heavenly Father going to be any different? Especially with us that like to play games. I know it's getting sensitive today, glory to God. You know, because some, some of us want to play games. We want to we play around. We want to we wanna act like we just, you know, we got God in our pocket. I'm going to just live how I want to live, do what I want to do, and I'm going to come home at night, say, Father, forgive me, and I'm done. No. That's not, that's not the God I serve. See, the God I serve is the one that sent his son. Hear me now. Sent his son to the cross for you and I. Sent his son to, 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 to go through the worst beating ever. Not so we could have him in our pocket and say, oh, by the way, my bad. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be unfaithful in all of these areas in my life. And I'm just going to come to you and act like nothing happened. Hold on a second. And then have the audacity to get mad at you. God, how could you put me through this? Hold on a second. How could I put you through this? This is why you got to ask the question. Did I lead myself into this? Did I produce this situation? And God, of course, he's going to bring me through that difficulty because the beauty of it is this. If I repent of my sin, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give me the grace to get through it. He's going to give me the grace to get through whatever difficulty I have sown for my future. But it doesn't mean it's going to be removed. It's going to be that you are going to be able to bear it. You are going to be able to bear it and come out of that thing on the other side. Amen. Looking more like who? Jesus. That's what this is all about, church. It's about us looking more like him. It's about us being conformed to the image of his son. And so we ask the question, is it something that I have brought upon myself? In other words, can I trace back behaviors in my life? Can I trace back habits in my life? Can I trace back decisions in my life that led me into this particular situation? And if that's the case, I need to repent. I need to come before God and assure that I don't walk back in that direction anymore. But there is also the part of spiritual warfare that comes into play because if that's the case, if it's something that I bring on myself, then there's something else that happens. See, once you have repented before, before God, and please understand something. There is a difference between repentance and confession. There is a difference between saying I'm sorry and living I'm sorry. There's a difference. There's a whole lot of people. We understand the principle of confession. But, you know, when I believe it's 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 or 9 or somewhere around there, and it says that our God is faithful and just, that if we confess our sin unto him, that he forgives us our sin and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. I need you to understand something about this here. When the Bible says he forgives our sins, that's something that happens immediately between you and God. That stuff is removed, whatever was between you, because we know that sin separates us from God. But when it says that he cleanses us of all unrighteousness when we have truly confessed with a repentant heart what he does is he deals with the issue in our heart the unrighteousness that is within us and that way from that moment on we will walk with him in obedience and we will not continue to reenact those same sins over and over and over again so when you truly confess and with a repentant heart that's the difference as other people oh I want the forgiveness but I don't want the cleansing of unrighteousness 
I enjoy my sin. See, look, we, we, we cannot be enjoy, enjoying our sin, church. We have got to be those people that say, no, I'm not going to play with sin. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. Sin is what caused him to suffer the way that he did. I hope you understand this because there's a difference here. But when I come before God and I confess my sin with a repentant heart and I bow before him and I say, God, I know that I got to go through this and I'm the one that is 100% responsible for my behavior. You know what the beauty of it is? God instantaneously forgives you. He empowers you to live righteously. But there's a problem. And it is your enemy will continue to confront you. Because whether it is your fault or whether it is God who is, who, who is leading you through the difficult situation, guess what? Opposition is still there. It's just different opposition, different weapons you need to use. And so what you have to understand that if you are a person, and this is the beauty of this, if you are a person who has caused yourself some difficulty, caused yourself some hardship because of bad decisions, because of things that you've decided that were right and now you know are wrong, if you're that person, you know what the beauty of this is? Once you confess to God, you are forgiven and you walk forward. When the enemy confronts you, you have scripture, Romans chapter 8, eight and verse 1, what? There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so now, every time I'm looking at the difficult situation, rather than get condemned and overwhelmed with worry and overwhelmed with this ridicule and overwhelmed with this, with this embarrassment, rather than experiencing all of this weight, I understand God didn't put that on me. He put that on his son on the cross. Therefore, if I have truly repented of my sin, now I go through my difficult situation with my head up, giving glory and honor to God because I don't have to walk around with my head down. I don't have to walk around with sackcloth on for the rest of my life. I can move forward in the power of the Holy Ghost and even in the midst of the difficult situation where everybody is looking at me and communicating to me because of my situation and my circumstance, I can bring glory and honor to God and deal with the spiritual forces that want me to stop moving forward, that want me to stop walking with him, that want to hinder me from overcoming and getting to where he wants me, that want to keep me back from being all that God has called me to do. What I can do is I come before the word of God and I say, your word says, Heavenly Father, that there is now, now, right now where I am, there is no condemnation. for those. So this situation is not condemnation. It's a consequence, and I'm going to get through it. So we have to know the answer to the question. Is this something I brought upon myself? Or is this something that he's leading me through? See, because if it's just something that he's leading you through, you have another scripture. We love to quote this scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Love that scripture. But did you read the rest of it? Did you read what all things was? Come on, let's turn there. Come on, let's look at it together. I know you didn't look at it. Glory to God. Let's look at it together. Philippians chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 10 when you got to say so. It says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in regard, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Huh. 
I know how to be abased, brought low. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You hear what the apostles communicating? He said, I can do the hard stuff because Christ Jesus strengthens me. It's not just application to, you know, well, you know, I can do this, I can do this. Hold on, there's something, let, let, let me put it to you like this. There are some things that you're trying to apply this scripture to, it doesn't apply. Did you hear what I just said? All things is, 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 is covering those things that are in the will of God for your life. In other words, if you, and I'm, I'm going to break it down like this. If you want to be a lawyer, hear me now, you want to be a lawyer, not God wanting you to be a lawyer. You want to be a lawyer. You want to do that. That's not in the will of God. That, that, that's not covered under all things. Hear me now. I, I, I know you don't want to hear that. That's not covered. Under, why? That, that, that's not the will of God for my life. How can that cover that? It doesn't cover that. When I am walking in the will of God, that's what covers all things. All things that are in the will of God. See, what am I saying? Well, God doesn't want people to be rich. I didn't say that. God doesn't want people to be educated. I didn't say that either. But what I am saying is God has a specific design for your life. God has a specific purpose and calling for your life. Not just in the church you go to, but even in the profession that you choose to work at. Hear me now. He has a specific will for your life. And when you walk under his grace and you walk under his direction and you've sought his face, this is why from the time that I was a youth pastor up until the present day, when I talk to young people deciding what they're going to do in college, I communicate to them. The most important thing for you to do is to be prayerful about whatever decision you make or you will be wasting money and wasting time. Hear me now. It is important for us to understand, oh, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Applying that in areas that it does not apply. When you are walking with God, anything that you face that is because of his will. Now, hear me. Remember, we talked about two things. Well, Bishop, what about if I'm the one that caused it? That wasn't his will. Of course that wasn't his will. He didn't want you to go through that. He didn't want you to experience that thing. But you know what his will is? Is that you become like his son. You know what his will is? Is that you get on the right direction. His will is that you walk in the right path. Therefore, when you're going through situation, you know what, God? I've gone through this. I'm experiencing this. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. When I'm going through a situation that's from the other avenue, which is the place that I have been, I have, I'm being led by his spirit to go through whatever difficulty it is, then I apply this scripture here. God, I can abound. I can be abased. I can have a lot or I can have nothing, but I know I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's important for us to understand the answer to the question, church, because when we're looking at this whole scripture here, when we're looking at this whole thing, and you can turn back to the book of Joshua, when we look at what is happening in the book of Joshua, we see that there is warfare that is taking place. There is warfare that is occurring. There are situations that are rising up to oppose the children of Israel from walking in this promised land in total freedom and in total liberty. And God tells them, listen, just follow me through the hardship. Follow me through this difficulty. Follow me through this time. When you read from here in the book of, um, in the book of Joshua chapter 13 all the way to like chapter 20, we see here that the scriptures teach us some really awesome stuff about God's allotment of all of these areas. And I want to close with this. In all of these allotments of land, there is a place 
in chapter 20 that I want you to look at. Turn your Bible with me to the book of Joshua chapter 20. And I want you to look with me at verse 7 and verse 8. I'm going to finish this message next week, but I want you to look at this because this is the most important place, I believe, in all of the allotments. Are you there? Joshua chapter 20, verse 7. It says, so they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness of the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth, and Gilead, from the tribe of Gad, and Golan, and Bashan, from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for the children of Israel, for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. The most important question for us to answer is this. Have I embraced the promise that God is my refuge? That God is my refuge. Everything else that we look at, and there's other stuff we'll see next week, but when we look at this particular portion of the scriptures, we find something that is vitally important for us to grasp. The most important promise is that he's our refuge. He's our refuge from what? What do you need refuge from? You need refuge from the storms of life. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through them, but it's better to go through them when you have the refuge. Hello. But even greater, you need refuge from the wrath that is to come. Listen now. When you look at this place in this city of refuge, I just want to explain this to you really quickly. When you look at this, these cities of refuge, these places were separated for someone who accidentally killed somebody. Someone who didn't intentionally kill someone, someone who accidentally killed. In other words, someone who killed someone ignorantly. It wasn't a premeditated murder. It was something that was accidental. Something happened, you know, and I won't give you any examples, but something happened. You killed somebody by accident. So what they did was they created a safe haven. They created a city of refuge. They, they created a place where anyone could go to that place and say, listen, I, I, I didn't mean to do that, so I'm going to this place over here, and that way I can stand trial before the congregation. And then what would happen is if that person, hear me now, if that person went, went to that place, stood before the congregation, and the people determined this person didn't mean to kill somebody, then you know what would happen? They would live in that city of refuge until the high priest died. When the high priest died, they could go back to the, to, to, to the people, and they would be there. So for the, for the time of the high priest's life, it was 20 years. For 20 years, they were in this city, and then the high priest died. They go back to the family. But it was a place where they would be safe. Why do I bring this up? Because God has to be our refuge. And when you look at the names of this particular, of these cities, it's kind of amazing the things that we find in here. And when you look at the names, this is what the names mean. The first city was the city of Kadesh, and it means righteousness or holy. The second name is Shechem, 
which equals shoulder, or it, mean, you know, it means someone that, that's going to carry this weight. The third city was a city, Hebron, which means fellowship or relationship. The next city is Bezer, and it means fortress or strong. And then we have Ramoth, which means heights, and then Golan, which means exile. So why is this important for us? Because when we look at the names of these cities of refuge, we find something that is the same symbolism of what happens to someone when they come to Christ. Here's the thing. Everybody in here, now, 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 now stick with me now. If you, you're, you're one of two people in this place. One of two people. And if you're one group, you're going to be praying right now for this other group. But one group is the one who has recognized they are murderers. One group is the one who totally understands it was my sin that put Jesus on that cross. That's one group. That group has said, you know what, Lord? I can't save myself. I can't do anything to save myself but come to you in total humility and surrender. That's one group. And then there's the other group. Just as guilty as the group I just mentioned, which I'm part of, hello, there's the other group. You don't realize your sin put him on that cross. Your sin is what caused him all of that suffering and the beating that he went through. Your sin. Not your neighbor's sin that's worse than your sin. No, your sin. Oh, I know, you just lie. They're committing adultery. Your sin. Your lie. Oh, I'm committing adultery. They killed somebody. Your sin. Well, I'm cheating on my spouse, but they molested a child. Your sin. I took something that wasn't mine, but you know, they're over here robbing from a company. Your sin. Your sin put Jesus on that cross. And the Bible tells us this, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. But hear me, this, these cities are cities of refuge. Every one of us that is in here is guilty. And we have either bowed our heart before God and said, God, here's my life. I acknowledge my sin and I realize that I cannot continue the way that I have been living. Because here's what happens when you come to him with a repentant heart. When you come before him and you say, God, I no longer want to live the way that I've been living. I want to live the life you've called me to live. When that becomes a reality, the first thing that you receive is his righteousness. Because he takes you from being that person who is guilty of this murder, he washes you in his wonderful blood and says, now you're not this murderer that is separated from me. You are now a son. You are now a daughter who I want relationship with. He calls you righteous. But listen now, you don't enter into that righteousness without acknowledging how wretched you are without acknowledging how far from God you are, that your little lie separates you for eternity from God. Hear me. I, I need you to get this because there's some people that sit in churches and they measure their sin. And I said in churches. They sit in churches and they measure their sin. Well, I'm not that bad. Listen, that bad, not that bad, put Jesus on the cross. So don't think, well, I only do little sin. No, sin put him on the cross. So the first thing, when we repent and come before him, we receive righteousness. 
The second name there is the name Shoulder. And you know what? There's a beautiful picture in the gospel where Jesus talks about the shepherd leaving the 99 to go find that one sheep. And you know what? Throws him up on his shoulders and brings him back. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are burdened, come unto me and find rest. Take up my yoke, shoulder to shoulder, church. Hear me now. Shoulder to shoulder. Let me carry the burden that is on your shoulder. Let me carry it. He wants to carry us. We're going to go through stuff. But he wants to embrace us as this wonderful shepherd. The next name here is the name is, is Hebron, and it means fellowship. So you know what? I embrace this righteousness from God Almighty, and I let him carry me as my shepherd and bring me back into this place of fellowship relationship. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus, through his son. What he was doing was there was a relationship that was broken off in the garden and that relationship separated us, separated you and I from God. It's not about praying. It's about having a relationship with him. You can't have relationship based on your own principles. You have relationship based on the word of God. Not your way. You had to take the way. To get into these cities, you had to take the road that took you there. And there's only one road, church. There's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. The next name is the word Bezer. So not only do you get this righteousness, not only do you get this shoulder, this shepherd that is carrying you and helping you walk through what you're going through, not only do you get this fellowship, but you get the fortress. You get the strength of who he is. You get him, his promises that do not fail. You get him and his word that is truth. You get him and his character. He is your fortress. He is your strong tower. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. And so we have this wonderful fortress in God. Then from that place of fortress is the name Ramoth, which means heights. So you know what God does? God doesn't just bring you into this relationship. He doesn't just give you this righteousness. He doesn't just become your refuge, but he elevates you. He brings you to a whole nother place where it can be about you and him. And you don't have to be so focused on everything else that's going on around. But you can be in the place of heights and intimacy with him. That's what he wants from us. And then we have this last word, which is the name um, Galan, which means exile. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we're sojourners. If you have come to Christ, that means that you're a person. You're not living for this place. You're living for the kingdom to come. That's one of the greatest ways you can know about your relationship with God. Are you looking forward to that kingdom? Are you living your life as someone who is a sojourner? And here's the beauty of it. You don't have to wait for your high priest to die. Your high priest already died and resurrected, and he doesn't want you to wait 20 years in this city of refuge. He wants to bring you back to your family. He wants to connect you first and foremost to his father. He wants to connect you with your heavenly father. He wants to connect you back in relationship with those who you are around as a new person. That's what God is offering us who do not have that today. So the question is, is he your refuge? Is he your refuge? Have you acknowledged that you are separated from him because of your sin? Have you acknowledged that you, you, you're not right? You're not okay where you are and that you really need him? Have you done that? Because if you haven't, today's the day for you. So I'll stand to our feet, please, and bow our heads.